The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. With betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, instant withdrawals, and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki have prominent betting pitches at race courses across the UK. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk. And the final furlong is brought to you by our official syndicate partner, All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app to get involved with world-class trainers, including Henry DeBromhead, Gordon Elliott, and Donald McKay. Join us at allaboutsunday.com. And now, get busy listening and get busy winning. Here's your host. Emmett Kennedy. By the way, since the retirement of Scarlet Witch, my racehorse, Come On to Burley, who's run very well, uh, has an entry coming up quite soon. So we're looking forward to another day at the races. Check out allaboutsunday.com to get involved. And uh, Henry de Brumhead has joined the team, as Morgan Freeman just told you. So you can find out more information about White House Cross uh, and so much more at uh, allaboutsunday.com. Uh, we are joined by the one, the only, Champion jockey, Oshin Murphy. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Thanks very much for having me, Emmett. Plenty to catch up on. There's been some brilliant racing over the last week. Yeah, you had a great time of things too. Uh, you were just telling me off air you had a, a terrific time at the Dublin Horse Show. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I hadn't been in many years. Um, it, it's a point. it was fantastic to see so much support for the equine industry. And I think the weather was kind, so... Uh, everyone, you know, came out in force. And success for Oshie and Murphy as well. Well done, my friend. Um, <laughs> long may that continue. And uh, we're looking forward to getting you back on the track as well, sooner rather than later. Uh, obviously, the, the star of the show at, at York, as we kick off with the Group 1 company, was in the Jumpmont International. It was Baid. If there was a criticism of him, it's that he wasn't putting an enormous amount of daylight between him and his rivals. But my God, did he do that in the Jumpmont International. Doubts about him staying... None of it. Uh, he's absolutely crushed Mishrif by the same distance he won the race by the year before. How impressed were you with Baid in the Jumont International? I thought he was brilliant. Uh, he relaxed super. He cut through the field on the bridle and he won hands and heels. And to be honest, at the line, he was going very fast. Uh, so I feel like if Jim wanted to press the button slightly earlier, the winning margin would have been uh, greater and I think it's brilliant that they stepped the horse up, give everyone the opportunity to see him at a mile and a quarter they've mentioned the Kipco British Champion Stakes next then I think that's a logical target, I know Matt Chapman's been pushing for the Ark oh, uh, but they have they have nothing uh, nothing to lose obviously if they were to go there but probably not much to gain either uh, the horse has been a terrific miler with a stug career in mind were he to win another group one over a mile and a quarter, uh, that would be the icing on the cake, I think. Yeah, because I spoke with William Haggis on on the day of the race on Wednesday, live on, on TalkSport 2, and I asked him about the arc. And he said, no, 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 that's that's not in our minds. He was also, he was almost pessimistic. Um, he was in great form, he was laughing and joking, but he needed to see him win. And he even went so far as to say that our, our next race and his last race will be on Champions Day. If he's beaten here, it'll be the QE2. If he wins, it'll be the Champions Stakes. But Lizzie Kelly made a very good point the next day on TalkSport 2, which 
the more I think about it, the more it makes sense. Um, and this isn't because yeah. Horse Racing Ireland have been in touch with me saying, can you promote this a bit more, this idea of getting him over? Do you leave him ticking over and trying to keep him going for one race, Champions Day, or do you bring him over to Ireland for the Irish Champions Stakes and then unleash him in France in the arc where he would bid to emulate his father, albeit a year later in his career, he's a four-year-old, but bidding to emulate his dad's achievements by winning the Jump International, the Irish Champions Stakes, and the arc. Can you see the logic in that of giving him the extra two races as opposed to waiting I, for Champions Day? I could definitely see the logic in him going to Ireland for the Irish Champions Stakes. Uh, it's one of the best races in the calendar, and, um, and the timing would be right. Uh, but I suppose they, have, they had a plan carefully mapped out uh, for a long time, and I would be surprised if they deviate away from that now. Um, William Haggis isn't greedy, and neither uh, uh, Shadwell, um, so I, I'd imagine it would be a tough push to get him to Leopardstown, but um, were they to reconsider, uh, I would be very happy to, to go and watch him there. Yeah, I'm pretty certain that um, Horse Racing Ireland's marketing drive is very much in full flow now, and it's like, bring by it here. Um, there's not an awful lot to be afraid of. Obviously, there'd be Videni and Luxembourg, and, and I wasn't as down on Luxembourg's performance as some were, uh, because Andrew O'Brien had sent out the warning signals beforehand that he was going to need that run badly. But the arc really intrigues me. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about him staying now, because Jim Crowley, it took him a long time to pull him up. So that would bode very well. Obviously, his brother was was Hookham. I think that that's all gone out the window now. Any idea that he couldn't quite get the distance that's gone. Um, although I, I, I do concede that 12 furlongs is different to 10 uh, and how that race would be run. But just looking at the strength of it, I, I'm not familiar with the Japanese horse and I'm not going to pretend to be. But him aside, yeah. there's not an awful lot of strength and depth there to that arc. For all, it's a great race. Yeah, look, the Japanese horse is very good and he makes his own look. He races on pace. I've got Takeshi Yokoyama uh, to ride him. Is trained by Toru Kiri um, and consistent over the last 18 months. I mean, uh, the horse aimed at this race for a long time and obviously stays on the quick side. Uh, apart from that, I think we can pick holes in, in a lot of the contenders, but has done not. Um, and he would appreciate a little bit of juice in the ground. Uh, Adeyag, have we had any updates on him? No I know update the arc's on him. been the plan for a while, but he's been met. Yeah, he's been met with some setbacks. I'm sure they'd love to get him there. I thought he ran a cracker in the race last year, having had a busy, busy campaign. Um, look, the the we can always knock it uh, in the months leading up to it, but I promise you, it'll end up being a, a very good race. And and um, and I I would say uh, there is very little chance we can convince the connections of Bayid to go there. Okay, you don't think it'll happen? Um, that's, that's no, fair I don't. I mean, Cedar Stars was a brilliant winner of the arc, and, and I'm not saying Bayid uh, couldn't go and win, and I'm I'm pretty certain he would give himself every chance of staying because he relaxes and obviously on pedigree. But um, you know, they have, in the eyes of the public, they might have something to gain, but when it comes to the horse's stallion career and stuff, they probably don't have that much to gain, you know? Is it possible that he would come to Ireland then? <laughs> I'd love to see him at Leopardstown, but I don't think they will uh, 
I don't think they will change their plan at this stage. Okay. We can try. We'll, we'll speak to William Haggis again. I mean, again. we can. I, yeah, I mean, you can text him and, and, <laughs> and put pressure on him. Um, I'm sure Matt Chapman has. Um, but, uh, but yeah, work away. That, um, that interview was very awkward with, with William Haggis after Baid. Just don't go up to him and start talking about Frankel. Just talk about anything else, but don't don't talk about Frankel. Uh, just on, yeah. a, on a view to the now Bahrain uh, Irish Champion Stakes, I, I couldn't quite help but notice while doing talk sport coverage last week that the Deuce has been put in the race, the Japanese Derby winner. That'd be intriguing if he came over. It would, obviously, getting the allowances. Um, I don't know much about him. Uh, he ha- He's not like a seasoned campaigner due to his age, like title holder is. Uh and it'd be interesting to see, would they employ a foreign jockey or stick with a Japanese? Yeah, um, I, I did see his Japanese Darby in, in Tokyo uh, under Yutakataki, and you would imagine he would come over for it, but it's just fascinating that he's even in the race. Um, in, in terms of those in behind, Mishruf actually came out of the gates well this time. That's something that seems to have been plaguing him since Champions Day last year. Uh, but even despite the fact that they managed to fix his stalls issues... He still gets obliterated, and Native Trail was pretty disappointing as well. What did you make of those in behind, Baid? I thought, uh, I didn't think they have much excuse. Um, I thought they probably ran their race. Um, you know, he he is in a different level to them, and, um, and I was a big Native Trail fan. Uh, I'd love to see him bounce back and win another group one. Uh, he was terrific at two, and he had the the physical to say he should improve from two to three. Um, but he doesn't always go like that. And maybe because he's lost his unbeaten record and uh, he hasn't been as breathtaking and, and as prolific as we expected, maybe that will uh, ensure he stays in training and give us an opportunity to witness him again next year. Uh, Mishrif, I don't like knocking the horse because he's a group owner on dirt. Uh, he is terrific on his day. He was a little unlucky in the eclipse and um, and uh, maybe he just hasn't been quite at his best since but John Gosden rarely runs a horse unless he's very happy with him so um, I think the view they've, they've decided to take with Mishraf is that wait for the Breeders' Cup and that would be the obvious uh, the obvious choice and give him a chance to freshen up and, and get him get him to America I'm not sure what help they can have uh, going there this year, but it'd be interesting to see if they could take advantage of that. Yeah, Lasix is off the table now, isn't it? Yeah, but what else can the withdrawal uh, time for Butte and things is much later in America. Oh. Um, so, uh, yeah, just it's all small little things, but um, but um, but yeah, I I I I like seeing good horses uh, bow out, you know, with their reputation intact, and I. I hope Mishraf can do that. Yeah, eleven point six million in prize money. Um, it, it's not mm. it's not ideal to see things go the way they have, but uh, hopefully he can bounce back. And and same remains for Native Trail. Although I have to be honest about it, I have questions about Native Trail. Um, while there may be a question mark about Baid's arc participation, there certainly isn't regarding Alpinista. As we stay with Groupon Company, the Darley Yorkshire Oaks goes to her. She beats the Oaks winner in Tuesday. Irish Oaks winner back in fifth and, and another Group 1 winner. Uh, the Pretty Polly winner, La Petite Coco, was third. So it was a race of strength and depth. But a first Group 1 on British soil for Alpinista. 
And a great sight was the fact that Sermak Prescott was actually there. That's becoming a rarer sight these days, Sermak actually being at the races, but he was there, uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, and um, all roads lead to the arc for her now. It's a masterclass placing performance from Sermak Prescott. Uh, he is incredible at his job, but I mean, it's highlighted with a hike. Often it's highlighted with the horses with lesser ability when they rack up a sequence of wins. Uh, this filly obviously is very talented, but to place it the way he has uh, and not to get excited and go for, you know, stay in Philly's company and go for races that uh, she would be vulnerable in is, is truly commendable. And um, I haven't ridden that much for him, but uh, I'm a massive fan of his and I love his company albeit it's very rare uh, that I spend time with him um, I think he deserves a lot of uh, applause for, for his decision making with this filly He's a proper character and the crowd love him and the Yorkshire crowd are incredible racing minds and they were just thrilled yeah. to be in his company and in his presence um, although he did have something sarcastic to say to to Lydia Hislop, one of the best of the game, when he turned to her and said, I didn't appreciate you saying well done with a furlong to go. <laughs> he still, oh. still had a fight in there and he said, on her hands. Um, she, she did have to overcome the late challenge of, of Tuesday and it was nice to see her back to something Bounce like... back. Yeah, something yeah. like her best. I, I would imagine that she'll take in the mm. Prix de l'Opera, if, if not a trip to Irish Champions Weekend first, but the Prix de l'Opera would seem made for her. Yeah, it would. Yeah, obvious target, a little bit of juice in the ground back end. She clearly enjoyed it in the Epsom Oaks. And, um, and uh, you know, that race, I think Phillies-wise, was quite strong. When they take on the Colts, um, they might find it a bit tougher. Uh, another Group 1 performer, uh, this time Highfield Princess, staying with the Phillies. Uh, a Group 1 winner in France last time out, yet she wasn't favourite. Uh, she was made second favourite or third favourite just before the off, but she was kind of insulted in the market, I thought. Um, there was late support for her, and I think Tom Siegel had put her up too, so fair play to him. Um, she's run uh, an absolute stormer. The plan had been for the France raid and then to come here. It's terrific for John Quinn, uh, terrific for, for Jason Hart. He seems to be just loving life at the moment. Um and she had to give a lot of weight to Holly Doyle and the Platinum McQueen, but she did so quite comfortably in the end. Yeah, it, were, it wasn't a very strong non-turp, uh, but John Quinn is an incredible trainer. I mean, this filly started off on a rating of 57. Uh, she actually got beat off 57 at Doncaster in a Class 6 handicap, and then she racked up sequences and got beat another few times. Um, she was actually beaten in a seven furlong handicap uh, in the middle of last year, towards the back end of last May. Um, yeah, off, off 91, I think. So, uh, sorry, off 88. So this really, really has sprouted wings. I love the Sire Knight of Thunder. Uh, very tough horse, Kieran Fallon won. I kept co 2,000 guineas on him. Um, I think John Quinn does a terrific job. He's been very good to me since I was an apprentice. Uh, I think his placing of this filly has been terrific. Dropping back to five wasn't that obvious on, on her form. Um, she's improved no end even this season. You know, she got beat at Wolverhampton in March. Uh, she got beaten in Chelmsford in her first start of the year. 
and now she's winning group runs. It just goes to show when a filly comes right and they get confidence, they really can uh, come through the grades. It's spectacular. Wasn't Night of Thunders 2000 Guineas beating Kingman and Australia? Yeah, I mean, it was a messy race. He hung across the track. Uh, Kingman probably wasn't at his best that day. Um, but uh, it was memorable because Kieran Fallon uh, had been in the doldrums and he bounced back on you know, a, 25, a horse that really didn't have much of a chance on paper. 25 to one shot, I think he was. I, I um, think he was beating yeah, and you know he he managed to make his mark. Look, I thought it was brilliant for the race uh, that Midland Park supplemented um, the Platinum Queen. Yeah, uh, I thought I thought it was great for the race. I thought the filly ran a cracker, um, and uh, and the Prix de Lave was mentioned, which is a you know very obvious class five uh, getting allowances again. Um, that that would be will add some interest to the race. But unfortunately, a lot of the sprinters that were at the top table last year. Uh, have lost their way or have been hurt, so um, it's uh, it's a very open division this year. Yeah, yeah, certainly. You must have been pleased. That being said, the Dragon Symbol bounced somewhat back to form in, in being able to finish fifth. Yeah, he ran well at Hamilton. Uh, a flat five at York is too fast for him, but it was the right race, and um, hopefully he can go back up to six. Maybe now I haven't spoken to Roger Berrien or David Even or his owners, but um. But uh, I'm I'm unsure what they would do next. But you know the Haydock Spring Cup uh, could be a, a race for him. Yeah, that would be ideal, and you're 100 percent right about the trip as well. Um, the focus of attention before the race was very much on Royal Acclaim, who had been devastating over the course and distance on her previous start. But she she's come up short. James Tate retains the faith in her, um, but ultimately she well, was beaten five and three quarter lengths. Yeah, uh, I didn't hear what he had to say. Um, can you fill me in, Emmett? Just that he he would rather not base it on one performance and just draw a line through her. He thinks he, she's still capable okay. of Group 1 company success. And um, uh, while it was at Group 3 that she won over course and distance on her, on her previous start, he, he feels that she was probably on the wrong side of the track and that she can do better. Okay, like the former that really hasn't stood stood up, you know. Um, yeah. Anthony Anthony Britton's horse Mondamej uh, has been disappointing since. Uh, Corker, that was his last start. I uh, don't know why he hasn't been seen yet. Uh, Mackenna has been beaten at Goodwood in a handicap and at York in a handicap since, and you know she was getting loads of weight off them, which she deserves because of her age. Uh, look. Acclaim is is making a massive uh, is having a massive season, and I would love for her to go and win a Group One for him. Uh, he was a he gave me my first Group One winner, and you know the Irish National Stud have a re, sorry the English British National Stud, just the National Stud in Newmarket. Uh, they have a very strong lineup of stallions at the moment, and he's one of the headline acts. We'll switch to the juveniles and to the Curra for that matter as well, because the Galileo Irish EBF Futurity Stakes was dominated by Coolmore. They had the one, two, three, Aidan O'Brien having the first and second. Aesop's Fables, who'd been off the track for quite a while, the intention was to take him to Royal Ascot. He had a, a minor setback. Uh, this was his comeback. He was a little bit uneasy in the betting. The money came for Hans Anderson, and it was very strong on Proud and Regal, the horse I talked about a few weeks ago on the show for Dunnick O'Brien. Um, but Aesop's Fables comes through and comes through very well for No Name Ever 
uh, on what turned out to be a terrific day for Aidan O'Brien and, and Ryan Moore, this being the, the first group success. We'll come to Metadata in a second. Uh, given the fact that he'd been off the track for a little bit, what did you make of Aesop's Fable's success? I thought it was a great run. I loved the way he hit the line. Um, he has plenty of size. Uh, I think the first three are very good horses. I think it was a strong race. Um, you know, Lakota 7 uh, offers a good form line there. He was back and forth. I think he deserved his rating. And um, and if you base it off that, uh, the three in front of him are very good horses. Yeah, it's an exciting time for, for Aidan O'Brien with these juveniles. Uh, and of course, it continued with, with Meditate. Um, only two months ago, she was, after succeeding uh, at Royal Ascot, she's now four from four, this time over seven furlongs. And it looks as though it's going to be a group one clash in, in the Moigler for her next. She's very, very good. Yeah, she is. Yeah. And she's beautiful. Um, she is one that you'd love to own, uh, to be honest. Um, I, I can't fault her. Uh, I think as a type as well, I remember saying it in the paddock, watching around watching her uh, parade around before she went to the start. She's unfurnished. Um, there's no doubt that she'll improve as she fills out. You know, she had the pace to win early on over five. She absolutely bolted up and and um, she's asking, she's answering every question. I think she's a beauty. Uh, Olivia Moralda, I think, offers a really good level of form. Um, I know she took a couple of stats to win, uh, but I think you know the seven furlongs is her trip, and and um, I think meditates just going to go from strength to strength. Yeah, I think she's been a little bit unlucky, Olivia Maldorada, in the sense that she bumped into Statuette in her second start, which mm. you know Statuette is held in very high regard too, and they were trying to debate which of the two would go to Royal Ascot, Meditate or Statuette. Meditate is the one who went there, so Meditate is very much the leader in the clubhouse right now, but. They think an awful lot of, of statuette. Uh, and then we have it, we get a Group 1 win, the 100th Group 1 win for Ryan Moore, just with Aidan O'Brien. Just <laughs> for Aidan O'Brien, which is phenomenal. 100 Group 1 wins for Ryan Moore and Aidan O'Brien together. This one in the Darley pre-Mornay, um, where they reversed form with uh, Persian Force, confirmed superiority over stablemate. Uh, the Antarctic. little bit of a concern for the French in that, for all that Amy Murphy has a satellite yard out there, the French did not have their own runner in this race, which sort of tells its own story about French racing right now. But Blackbeard can do no more than can win. He was doing his own kind of Dublin horse show dressage-style antics. <laughs> Again, he did this in the railway as well, which probably cost him the race. Um, but I, I was quite taken with this performance. What, what did you make of it? I thought Ryan was very good on him. Uh, he didn't panic down at the start. He's obviously accustomed to his behaviour now. Um, he got the rail, and um, I thought he gave him the perfect ride. Uh, thought it was good placing. Um, you know, he's made himself a stallion now. Uh, good pedigree. Again, no name ever. He was an expensive fool. Um, but I, I think hats off to Ryan Moore. I think he's riding... Incredibly well all year. Uh, we love to talk about Frankie because obviously he's easy to talk about. He's always in the headlines. We like talking about William, um, but uh, Ryan is is terrific at the moment. Yeah, he is without question the best jockey in the world right now. Yeah, I mean he he does it. I love his work ethic, and uh, you know he 
he does it everywhere. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's just, you know, confidence is very high with him at the moment. And, well, it has been all, all season. Should have probably started or it was most noticeable uh, since Chester. And he he is one uh, every young jockey should be watching. And when you consider the fact that Aidan O'Brien has had Johnny Murta and Joseph O'Brien and Dunica, this is the jockey who has been the go-to man. And I can't really remember a time where Ryan Moore in recent years has picked the wrong horse, which is probably the best compliment that you can pay the man because Aidan O'Brien doesn't just send the... He said it's on the show himself. We don't just send horses there for the fun of it. The pacemaking days are effectively over. So if he's yeah. if he's sending two to a race, they're two serious horses, and it, it can be tricky to pick the right one. Not a bit of it, though, for Ryan Moore. He just seems to always be on the right one. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, he he has chosen the wrong one in the Guineas a few times, um, True. and also in the in the Oaks. Uh, but um, but uh, you know, it's difficult to know, particularly at that stage of the season, which ones to ride and. Um, when you consider how much information he has to go through and everything, and the fact he doesn't ride out Bradley Doyle every day, uh, he does a he does a very good job. The Prijan Lagadere on Arc Weekend, and uh, the other race that was mentioned was the Middle Park, uh, and I just mm. wonder in terms of splitting these horses. So we know Little Big Bear is going to the National Stakes, and then possibly the Dewhurst, depending on how that goes. Um, would it make sense to send Blackbeard? in one direction and the Antarctic goes the others. Let's just say, hypothetically, Blackbeard was to go for the middle park and the Antarctic was to go for the Prix-Jean-Luc Lagardère or, or vice versa, because for all that the Antarctic mm. has come up short against Blackbeard for the second time, he has won a group three in his own uh, on his own right uh, under Mendezabal uh, a few weeks back. And it's only a matter of time before there's a, a good group race for Patasha's brother. Yeah, I mean, the Lagardère is a mile. Uh, that it that would be the worry, I suppose. Uh, he he um, would he stay? He's not really bred to. He's Batash's full brother. Uh, the dam never won a race. Um, she is a half sister to a seven furlong Group Two winner, um, but there doesn't seem to be any stamina in, in the pedigree. And he's a pretty fast horse. So I think it'll be quite difficult for Aiden to. To send one of the ones we we've mentioned to the laggard there, you know, um, I'm sure he'll find something to go there. Um, Aesop's fables could go. Uh, yeah, but then I think he's maybe the top of the list of his of his uh, kind of miler prospects are, are very close to the top of the list. And and um, no disrespect to the laggard there, but it's not a it's not seen as a stallion making race. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting how they play it. That's a but, that's uh, a good point, actually. Yeah, it, it used to I'd be the, the days when yeah. Rocket Gibraltar would run on it. That that it was a very important race then. It's not so much now. No, it, it's a shame, really. But I suppose there's a lot of choice that time of year, and uh, Coolmore and Aidan O'Brien love to target the Breeders' Cup as well. You could imagine a lot of these two-year-olds. Uh, you know, he could have four two-year-olds in the Breeders' Cup. Uh, Turf mile um, and two or three in the Breeders' Cup turf sprint, you know, um, and actually the the sprint um, the sprint takes 
a very fast horse, but you know, a six furlong horse can often step up to the mile round there and run very well. There's uh, there's plenty of time to consider the options, but it's just my mind um, focusing on it uh, very briefly. Yeah, the Antarctic might be a very interesting one for the juvenile turf sprint, actually, now that you mention it. Um, uh, and, and Blackbeard could be very intriguing for, for the turf mile. In terms of Blackbeard, do you think that staying a mile could be an issue for him? Because he is he clearly seems to be, uh, Aidan O'Brien described him as a, a very well put together, very forward juvenile, almost indicating that this is kind of as good as he might be, um, uh, unless that they can strengthen him up over the winter and he becomes a sprinter. But it, it does seem as though if you're going to, Aidan often works back from the guineas with, with certain horses. If they're doing that with Blackbeard, it's probably working back from the Commonwealth Cup. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, he's not um, a massive horse, uh, but um, he's big enough. Uh, you just you just like him to to not expel as much energy before the, the start, you know. Yeah. Uh, he's just being playful. Uh, he goes down there very quietly. And maybe, I suppose, uh, he can go down there a bit later um, in certain races. But, um, you know, he's been busy and he's been well-placed and... I think they'll be trying to trying to uh, take advantage of his precocity. Well, Edna O'Brien currently has six of the top ten in the betting for the 2,000 guineas. And we're talking about a Group 1 race here just going to a no-nay-never. A couple of weeks ago, we saw Little Big Bear win a Group 1, also by no-nay-never. Meditate is by no-nay-never. He's sort of emerging mm-hmm. as their new Galileo. Well, he's, he's covered a lot of great mares, and... Uh, I've been lucky, obviously, on on um, a couple of known and Evers for for Andrew uh, the Phillies and Shake Fads, yeah. yeah, and Shake Fads had a few nice ones as well. Um, so, uh, so look, uh, he's he stands for plenty of money. Is he one hundred and fifty thousand euros or one hundred thousand euros? Yeah, um, he he was started his career at twenty thousand. I think he's he's one hundred and fifty, if not two hundred now. Yeah, he was a very good racer, sure. Uh, Shiloh is an obvious cross for a lot of those Galileo type mares, and um, and he's breeding a lot of speedy horses. But would you suspect a known and ever to go and stay a mile and a quarter? No, um, no you wouldn't. You know, um, and that's where I suppose the influence of uh, Wooten Bassett uh, and maybe you know, there's I, I actually quite like two horses who mightn't have covered the strongest book of mares so far, but um. But in Zarak and in uh, Al Manzur, uh, I think um, I think those two horses have a lot of quality, and and um, and we might hear a bit more out of them. And Time Test actually had a tricky couple of months, um, but he's coming good again now. And remember, his strongest book of of crops are are emerging over the next two or three seasons. So there's a um, there's a lot of choice uh, for for breeders at the moment. Remember those names, by the way, uh, particularly Time Test with better progeny to come. Uh, but Nona Never is, is fascinating. For all that, he's not going to give you a like, Derby winner. Uh, yeah, like Emmett, like much better progeny and also numbers, you know. Um, so I, I think Time Test did well with, with, what he, with what he covered, you know what I mean? So um, that's just my thoughts. An exciting time. Uh, if Aidan O'Brien's got six of the top ten in the 2000 Guineas betting currently, Charlie Appleby's got four. He's got he rounds off the the ten, 
and Noble Style is a horse that you talked about before Royal Ascot as potentially the Coventry winner. Like Aesop's Fables, he had a setback. He ended up going to Newmarket and winning, and I was blown away with him in the Jim Crack. I was covering the race live for TalkSport 2. I was presenting for the week, and I love this. He was quite green, but he's not stopping once they hit the line, and he was much the best horse in the Jim Crack. Yeah, um, he was uh, different gravy. I mean, I I thought he did. He made up a lot of ground very quickly, uh, and um, I was I was a bit uh, surprised with his head carriage. He does it a little bit his own way, mm. but I think he's an absolute machine. Um, and I can't wait for him to meet some of the Irish horses later on. I I think he's going to have to. Uh, race cu- kindly. Uh, he could be not the easiest ride in in the middle park, uh, you know, on a track like that. But um, but I think he's he's incredibly talented. Um, and uh, I put him up a long time ago uh, when I saw him win first time. Um, I I believe in the horse. Yeah. I just I also kingdoms come in all shapes and sizes, and this fella isn't doesn't have that much uh, height. Um, or, or with uh, he he uh, doesn't carry much extra condition. Um, so thinking about next year, uh, he's going to have to, and I think he definitely stay seven. Um, he's going to have to, you know, change shape a little. So as things stand, he would not be on your mind for the classics next season for the two thousand guineas, for example, unless he was to strengthen up. Massively, but yeah, right now, as a juvenile, he he could go right to the top. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know what Charlie kind of said after the race, but um, but they would have uh, plenty to guide at home, and um, and I think this fella uh, isn't always explosive in the morning, um, and that's often a good sign. Well, I made some inquiries today, and. Yep. The indication I was given was the Noble Style will go to the Curra for the Vincent O'Brien National right. Stakes, which is quite exciting yep. seeing is if this comes to pass. But even if it doesn't, whoever Charlie Appleby runs there has been his best three-year-old, his, his best juvenile, I should say, uh, unless the race changes dramatically between now and then. Um, his best juvenile has run in that race three of the last four years. So... yeah. It would be intriguing if if whoever is is the one who's actually told to to line up. Silvernot was very impressive um, on on Saturday at Sandown as well. He won by three and three quarter lengths and it might not have got a, yeah, an enormous bit of coverage. Yeah, I thought he was given a very good ride by Pat Dobbs. Uh, James Doyle unfortunately has picked up an injury. He's going to be out for a few weeks. Um, and uh, I've been speaking to him. You know, it's it's wrong. There's no good time of year to be out, but it really is the wrong time of year but Pat Dobbs deserves to ride good horses he's a very intelligent person and um, and uh, I thought he gave this horse a lovely ride do I think he achieved a whole pile not really um, I, I don't uh, but at the same time you know the first second and third were quite well strung out and um, on paper it wasn't a bad race yeah he's got victory dance Silver Knot, Noble Style, who we've just mentioned, Naval Power, who we talked about a few weeks ago, was devastatingly impressive on King George Day and Flying Honours. They're Charlie Appleby's current entries for the race. And what I was told today was that Noble Style is the one who'll go. So, right. 
And just quickly on flying honors, he won a, the Stonehenge at Salisbury the other day. Mm. Um, and uh, I was also taken by that horse. I think he's one to really, uh, really look out for. Well, let me lay down the gauntlet, gauntlet here. Um, mm. We know that Aidan O'Brien's going to run Little Big Bear. Whoever else is going to be part of the team, maybe Blackbeard, maybe Aesop's Fables. Um, Denmark could potentially go there, although I suspect there's another target in mind for him. Beresford Stakes, probably. Uh, so in a matchup between, for my money, the leader in the clubhouse right now of two-year-olds, Little Big Bear, and potentially Noble Style, who would you favour? Little Big Bear. Do you think he's potentially a classic winner? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Does he have the scope oh, to, to make it up in, into a classic winner? I don't think he even has to improve much to to win the 2,000 guineas most years. I think he'll stay as well. On the basis of new evidence, I have completely changed my mind <laughs> from what I was saying a few weeks ago. Little Big Bear swoops all. Um, I, I, I honestly think uh, think he's got way too much uh, pace and class and, um, and uh, horses change obviously week to week, but I'm um, but what he did uh, last time was special. Yeah, it was extraordinary. I've watched it back several times since, and the more I watch it, the more my jaw's on the floor. It was just... Well, and the form stands up, Emmett, you know? The form yeah. is rock solid. He's just way better than than what he's you know, been asked to beat. That's the one fear I have, is that is he a Pinatubu? Is he so far in front of everything right now that they'll catch uh, he's up a to bigger him. type of horse. Uh, he's a much bigger type of horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lump on with Kaluki. You can get fours for the two thousand guineas. Uh, lump on right now. Right, uh, Childeen. Uh, as we go back to York, took the Acom Stakes, which Ooh. is. By, by the way, I was completely unaware of the rules about the Acom. I think one of the guys in Racing TV was it. Chris Dixon was saying as well that it it had completely passed him by. I didn't realize that you could not have run. At a certain point, until you, I think, was it the first of July? You can't have run, or after the seventh of July, then you can have run to be eligible to run in this race. Which kind of well, there might be a stipulation like that, but the July thing is wrong um, because Chaldine uh, made his debut on the thirtieth of June. Um, his work at home was was good. Um, I thought it was a perfect ride by Ryan. It means so much to have Judmont in the stable. Uh, at Andrew Boardings and it's just fantastic that that uh, Parkhouse Stables and, and Andrew can reward them with a with a juvenile group winner. Um, this fella will will do plenty well over the winter. He isn't very tall, um, but uh, he's very unfurnished, and um, whatever he's doing at the moment is just a start. Uh, I thought. He was given a, a very good ride, very tough horse. I love his attitude, and uh, he'll definitely stay a lot further than, than seven, you know. I think it's from the 10th of June onwards. You can't have run before the 10th right. of June, which is why Millstream was able to run, because he came out on the 9th of June. He was a non-runner and then was able right. to, to line up. Um, I love this performance. He's He obviously cost an awful lot of money, as you were saying. Uh, he's a Franco. Yeah, expensive forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I I, re- I liked him beforehand, but I absolutely loved him afterwards. And the form of his win previous has worked out exceptionally well. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he he's just very straightforward. He's got a big 
action. Um, probably wouldn't mind a little bit more juice in the ground, but as you can see, he lets himself down on fast ground. Um, he's been very straightforward, and it just it bodes very well for uh, the other um, two-year-olds we have in the yard. You know, um, there's uh, in the last kind of two years, the uh, new owners. Um, Judmont and uh, Side Suhail and Sheikh Jim has been there a while um, but you know it's a different calibre of horse and um, it's just great to be able to reward them with, with good winners you know It's unusual for Judmont to splash out because they breed so many elite horses um, but they did splash out on him and he's very much repaying that faith uh, I think the the one of the races that was mentioned for him was the Royal Lodge um, as a potential, but but intriguingly, afterwards, Andrew Balding was was saying to Talksport that um, he's very much been they're working back from the Guineas. That that's the the mindset with him. Yeah, Andrew won't be rushing with him. Um, there's uh, there's plenty of other horses now that can that can start stepping up as well. So um, he, I haven't spoken to him since um, since Wednesday evening. Um, I don't know what his his immediate thoughts are. Uh, but but there's a lot of two. I mean, there's there's plenty of two-year-old colts now uh, to come out. So let's see. Yeah, uh, he's very exciting. Uh, I think all the juveniles we've just talked about are, are incredibly exciting. Um, the uh, big yearling stakes, uh, the Goffs UK Harry BB yearling stakes went to should have been a ring for Richard Hannon, mm. um, who absolutely flew home. Uh, to just get up on the line. It was perfectly timed by Sean Levy, uh, who would go on to Group 1 success on Sunday as well. He's having a, a terrific time of things. I kind of felt a little bit yeah. sorry for, for Washington Heights because he was out there for so long uh, and just gets nailed on the line in a, in a photo finish. But uh, terrific stuff for Richard Hannon, who's got an incredible record in the race. Yeah, he does. Uh, he has the right type of horses for, for this event. Sean Levy is riding... So, so well, uh, like really out of, you know, top league. And I, I'm a good friend of his and I'm thrilled to see him uh, get winners at the big festivals. Um, I don't think this race was um, impeccably strong. Um, I don't think we'll be talking about these horses at, uh, at group level, you know. I believe the line from Richard Hoyles as they crossed the line was, he can't go for the St. Ledger because he's missing two very valuable pieces. Uh, but Deauville <laughs> Legends just go on to win the Voltage Snakes uh, for all that he can't run in a classic. He could come over to Ireland. Um, there are other options open to him as well. Uh, he beats Secret State and beats him comprehensively. Uh, El Bogdan, Eichel was, ooh, dearie me, Eichel was a big disappointment here. Uh, but Deauville Legend was terrific. Great story for James Ferguson and Danny Musket. And there was a massive market move for him just before the off as well. Uh, he yeah. was very much the best in the race. Yeah, I tipped him uh, in the racing post. I think I tipped five winners at York. Um, hey! So, yeah, I don't know how. Uh, the horses must have been listening to me. But basically, his run at Goodwood was very good. Uh, he had to carry a penalty there. Dan Muscat is riding at a, a really high strike rate this year. Um, even in the last two weeks, I think he's had nine or ten winners from less than 50 rides, so he's riding at 20%. Um this horse was brought along slowly. You know, he was beaten twice uh, at two. 
Um, he made his debut at Windsor, won there, was still a little bit green and, and got stuck in traffic at Ascot, uh, was tough at Newmarket, got beat at Goodwood with his penalty, and he come out on this, and, and I think he's always, that's gone really on the up, you know, as a type. He's got plenty of size to see the stars. He's out of a Hernando Mayer. He'll obviously appreciate uh, some juice in the ground. Um, he's a full brother to Cela Rosa, who is obviously doing very well at the moment as well. Um, this is a good horse. And uh, I think of all the European contenders that have penciled in the Melbourne Cup, uh, this fella could go down there and win. Yeah, he's a very big player for the Melbourne Cup now. And of course, you look at the age allowances too. Um, I think Kaluki yeah. went 14s about him. Uh, I know that I'm up right. to my eyeballs in Cleveland for Joseph O'Brien because uh, I was really taken uh. with, with Cleveland's last run. And um, we were talking about him a few weeks ago. He was 14s. Uh, I think he's now 10s. Yeah. The, the 14s came okay. under pressure after that show. But I would be afraid of Donald <laughs> Richard. I would genuinely be afraid of him. And um, it, it does seem as though he's going to go. I think Alfred Butcher, who will come to in a second, is, is going to go down there as well. Uh, just with a view to the St. Ledger, on the back of this, um, Kaluki were able to rule out a number of horses. And I was told today they've gone 10 to 11 New London now. Uh, so the, right. the only real contender to him for the St. Ledger is changing it to guard, uh, who is been absent since Royal Ascot, but I believe that is the target. I need to confirm that with Aidan, uh, and we'll have him on the show before Irish Champions Weekend, which of course coincides with the St. Ledger as well. Um, is it becoming a straight match between those two, uh, New London and Changing of the Guard? Remember, New London was like one of Charlie Appleby's derby picks, um, and uh, then he, he disappointed a little bit, but he's a massive unit, and I'm sure... Uh, he just went through a phase of being a little bit weak, um, and I suspect him to come good. Uh, I'm unsure about changing in the guard. I don't know what the issue is since Ascot. Um, I wouldn't be backing anything anti post for the ledger at the moment. Yeah, uh, I think that's probably the best piece of advice, actually. Just hold Matt tough. Um, we might get better than the 10 to 11 about New London closer to the time, but. He's certainly the, the leader in the clubhouse, and we'll find out as to why. I think they were just keeping changing the guard fresh. I think that was the case, but right. I'll get that confirmed. Um, right, the Weatherby's Lonsdale, well, Weatherby's Hamilton Lonsdale Cup, to use my mouth words correctly, was a major disappointment for two reasons. One, Stradivarius comes out that morning, and then after the first race, Holly Doyle and Alan King were very animated in the parade ring and we were able to tell live on air before he even said a thing, Lizzie and Rupert were able to work out, oh dear, this is this is not going to happen. Uh, and look, they were forced not to run him. It was, the ground wouldn't have suited. It ends up being uh, Coltrane sent off 5-4 to four favourite and Quickthorn, from what I could see, but you're the jockey, um, as they rounded the first bend, I thought Tom Marquand went, mm. let's just steal this now, shall we? and the others weren't quite alive to it. Now, it's one thing to try yes. and inject that pace early and then fill the tank up and keep going. But it was... You either look like a clown because you're going to drop back to the field, or you look like a genius, and Tom Marquand looked like an absolute genius. Yeah, Quickstone is an exceptional horse, obviously. Never, ever pulls. And uh, I obviously have won on both of them before. Um, and, yeah, I thought it was a very good ride by Tom. Um I actually think he, I think he set decent fractions. I don't think you know the rest of the field did much wrong, um, and yeah, he just kept rolling on horse that likes to get into a good rhythm, 
Um, Kiwi Morrison does very well with these type of homebred horses, doesn't push them early, and they tend to improve and improve. Uh, do I think this form is very strong? Not really. But do I think Quickthorn will be placed to add to his to his staying uh, big race uh, triumph so far? Yes, I do. Um, there's plenty of options in France and look ask it as well. But I think Kiwi uh, will will aim him uh, where he thinks he can win. You know, um, and um, and yeah, I I really applaud him. He doesn't have massive numbers, but. Um, you know, he finds a, a flag bear year on year, and fortunately, I get to ride them very often. Um, but Tom's uh, done the job while I've been absent. <laughs> um, for all that, there, I'm sure there are plenty who were criticizing. In fact, I know there were plenty who were criticizing those in behind. I could buy into that if, off the final turn, Quickthorn is. 17 lengths clear and then there's only five lengths between him and Coltrane at the line but at the line yes, there's 14 yes. lengths between them so yeah, they yeah. were never getting to him no 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 and he won the canter uh, look there's no doubt you have a hard race when you set fractions like that but you know he, he's pulling him up uh, the last 100 metres um, so yeah I mean he was just too good and it would have been interesting if Stradivarius and Trushan had lined up because uh, because Trushan can be quite a free goer and maybe he would have lay up with Quickthorn. Mm. Uh, Stradivarius would have taken a sit. Um, maybe Quickthorn would have been too good anyway. You know, you just don't know. Well, on, on the basis of a line through Coltrane, he would have been too good. Um, but yeah. I, t- I take your point about Trushan. If he was in the race, it would have been a different outcome because he would have been pushing him for the lead. Um, well, he pulls, you know. Yeah. Um, so... It's unlikely he would have sat off. I think probably would have just, uh, you know, used Quickthorn as a as a handbrake for the first three quarters of the race. Yeah, but in, instead of bashing those in behind, I think you just have to applaud Tom Marquand. I thought it was a genius uh, piece of, of manoeuvring. Absolutely. For all that, he, the horse is probably going to need a break afterwards now, but with 140 grand in the back pocket, he deserves a break. Um, the the group three to kick things off on the Saturday at York. We can be pretty brief on this one, Oshin. Uh, Mighty Ulysses was a massive disappointment, and Alphalia uh, comes out tops for for Owen Burrows. Alphalia, uh, even me, pronounced something wrong. Never. Uh, obviously, Owen Burrows' numbers have, have been cut significantly, but this was a, a really smart performance. Yeah, training at a very high strike rate. Um, I thought it was a super ride by Jim. Uh, if you'd punted this horse two furlongs out you'd be saying why has this jockey not pushed the button yet uh, he allowed the whole field to get into a battle and he picked up the pieces late uh, yeah. the man I don't know like from, for many years for me he really is top top class and um, and yeah uh, this is an example of why he's so good he's on another level at the moment Jim Curley, he really is, but you, you're 100% right about him being good for a long time. Uh, he just seems to be floating at a completely different level right now. Um, probably helps to have Baid in the back locker, but all the same, uh, he's he's riding like a man possessed. The Skybet City of York Stakes went to Kinross from arguably my favourite horse in training right now, Pogo, who's, who's <laughs> run an absolute blinder, and I'm sure Connections 
were pretty frustrated with David <laughs> Allen and our power. For all that, he's just doing his own thing. Um, if Pogo had been able to dictate things, he might just have been able to to repel Kinross. But Frankie Dettori and Rafe Beckett have been in terrific form, uh, and Kinross gets a, a deserved success. Yeah, Kinross is a smashing horse. Uh, he was pretty good at two, and then he lost his way, and they dropped him down the grades, and, and he's... Um, He's just turned into a smasher. He's got a very lucky owner in Matt Chan. Uh, Jamie McCallum has done an unbelievable job managing him with small numbers. They've had, I mean, it's probably the most successful uh, ownership. He's probably the most successful owner uh, in Europe for a number of horses he owns. Um, And I don't think that's an exaggeration. Uh, The amount of success he's had, Prosperous Voyage, uh, there's a few others that they've had some good two, uh, Lezu, the two-year-old by Zusta. Um So, uh, in brief, uh, Frankie was good on Kinross. Uh, this is probably a good form line for the foray. I think Kinross will go there, he'll get his little bit of juice in the ground, which actually he loves. Um, it was maybe slightly faster him at York, and um, and he'll start as one of the favourites there. Yeah, you would imagine so. Um, Pogo is a very, very likable horse as well. He is very tough. Uh, again, he was getting beat in handicaps and uh, he travelled to Bahrain and he got beat there and yeah, he just loves racing. He's very, very tough. He's incredibly black. You know, you, you talk about a horse um, who's like the black beauty that we all watched as a child on, on television or whatever, yeah. the film. Uh, Pogo is, is a version of him. Uh, he is, um, he's quite unique actually in colour. He's a stunning-looking horse. Uh, and then we end up with a terrific finish to round things off uh, as the Ebor goes to a photo finish. Frankie Dittori and Trollerman for John and Thady Gosden and Ian Williams turning out Alfred Butcher only a few days after he'd sure, won yeah. at York to run an absolute blinder again <laughs> under PJ McDonald. Um, frustratingly for Ian Williams, this is not the first time He's been denied in the photo finish in, in the Ebor, but uh, I'm sure he's very proud of his horse. Uh, Earl of Tyrone ran a cracker for, for Paddy Toomey. Uh, thought Ever Present ran a great race for Jessica Harrington, but <laughs> it was all about the front two. Uh, there was barely anything in it at the line, but Trollerman and Frankie Dettori uh, for John and Thady Gosden emerged victorious. Yeah, a very good ride. Frankie stayed out early. Uh, I don't think these horses are going to go on and, and smash group races. Uh, Trollerman actually has a bit of an in-now profile and maybe has more uh, ability than a handicap although the Ebor as we know is a very is probably the hardest handicap to win yeah. um, with, with horses with such high ratings um, but uh, but yeah I, I think we don't need to be getting excited about these horses when it comes to um, to stakes races No certainly not uh, although it is worth noting that Trollerman is now two from two in the hood um, and they have mentioned a, a trip for the Melbourne Cup. That's definitely the case for Alfred Boucher. He's going to go down under, and um, uh, Ian Williams sounded pretty confident and excited about that as well, and, and why not? Um, I think anybody who has the opportunity to go should very much be doing so. The, the highlight to me is pretty obvious, but what was your highlight of the York Ebor Festival? I know, look, it means a lot to to the stable I'm connected with most um, to have a winner in Frankel's Colours um, with a three-year-old, you know, Chalding, 
winning on Wednesday in the Acom uh, really made my week. Um, I was at Dublin Horse Show for three days, and uh, and um, the horses I own are one, uh, one, 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 and um, they all jumped very well. But this uh, this just really set, set me up um, with with a lot of uh, happiness and and plenty to look forward to. And um, hopefully, when I return next February. Okay, and a horse to follow that we've talked about going forward. Um, would that reply to Chaldean as well, or possibly one of the other juveniles? Maybe a Charlie Appleby, maybe an Aidan O'Brien one. Uh, yeah, no, the the Charlie Appleby two-year-old that won the Stonehenge uh, Flying Honours. Um, I think he's very good. I was very impressed with his last start win, and um, and I think he's very raw. Uh, and he would be one I'd be kind of bearing in mind maybe with with next year uh, on the agenda. Like I think he'll definitely stay a mile and a quarter. Um, he he could even be a derby horse, you know. Flying honours for Charlie Appleby and Godolphin is the one to watch from Oshin Murphy. Oshin, pleasure as always, my friend. Thank you very much for joining us on the final furlong. Uh, looking forward to talking to you again soon. But um, enjoy the show jumping. Uh, I hope life is going well for you, and we're very much looking forward to getting you back on the track. Thanks very much, Emmett. Take care, my friend. Uh, Oshin Murphy joining us uh, as always on the final furlong to review one of the big meetings. An absolute gentleman and a legend, as are you, by the way. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so, so much for listening. Really enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully, you did too. We will talk to you again very, very soon on the final furlong podcast from all of us. Take care, be safe, be well. God bless. The final furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. With betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, instant withdrawals, and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki have prominent betting pitches at race courses across the UK. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk. And the final furlong is brought to you by our official syndicate partner, All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app to get involved with world-class trainers, including Henry DeBromhead, Gordon Elliott, and Donald McKay. Join us at allaboutsunday.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.